When it's time to seed grass, fertilize turf, or add a pop of color to your yard, Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered with unbeatable deals on lawn and garden essentials. Find value on everything you need in-store or online at farmandfleet.com. With an agronomy degree from UW-Madison and a passion for a career in plant seeding, Walker Fanning wanted to work on a fruit crop farm, but his choices were limited and seasonal. Fanning went from uncertainty to now owning and running Hidden Cave Cidery. He shares more on his journey to becoming a craft cidery owner that promotes Wisconsin's apple farmers. I went to college at UW-Madison for agronomy, which is plants for fuel, fiber, and feed. And when I graduated college, I really wanted to work with plants, but I wanted to work with fruit crops instead of grain crops. And I was also looking for a job that was making a shelf-stable product so that I could avoid the seasonality of some farm jobs. So even if they didn't need me doing the farming, I thought maybe in the off-season I could sell whatever product they were making and retain a job year-round. And I ended up finding a apple orchard in the South Madison area that was also making hard cider. And so I reached out to them to see if they would let me volunteer on their farm. And they actually offered me the orchard manager position. But it was late August, so all the real management for the season was already set. So I was really just picking apples. And I'd get done picking apples halfway through the day. And then I walked into the cidery and I watched the cider maker make the cider. And then he would just pick up what they made and walk it down into their basement. So I followed him and I see this huge wall of finished cider. And I'm like, do you guys want to sell this stuff? And they're like, of course we do, but we don't know who we want to sell it to. And I was like, there are so many farm to table places that want a product that's made from Wisconsin apples that's coming straight from a farm. You can't get more farm to table than that. People would really love it. And then on top of that, most people's perception of hard cider is this like really sweet syrupy kind of alco pop drink. What they were making was this really dry wine-like hard cider. And I was like, you realize people do not think of this as cider. What you're making, nobody has tried this yet. So I asked them if they would let me be their salesperson and they said, sure. So in eight months, we went from two liquor store locations to over 30 different bars and restaurants in the Madison area. And then they started having a production issue. And the cider was non-acidic all of a sudden. It tasted like apple water. And their most popular cider was a cherry cider. And if you add cherry juice to a cider that tastes like water, the finished product tastes like cough syrup. And I'm like, we can't sell this. What happened to the cider? It tasted fine a month ago. And they said, this is just something that happened. I'd just been working in the Jean-Michel Annet lab in college. And I was like, the hard cider is a long standing tradition. There has to be somebody that knows what's going on. And I bet there's a method that we could follow, then we wouldn't have to deal with this once we figure out what the problem was. So I sat down on a Monday night and wrote down everything I could about hard cider making. I stumbled upon something where if you leave cider unstabilized for too long, they can do a malolactic fermentation. So basically, over time, it loses its acidity. Well, there's a simple fix for that. You can actually buy malic acid, which is the natural acid in apples, and just add it back in. And then when I read further, there was a step in the process where you stabilize the cider and we had just been doing it two months after it had been finished instead of the week after it had been finished. Like, okay, let's try this malic acid thing. So we add a little bit to like a gallon jug and we shake it up and we're like, oh, that tastes right now. Then we scale it up to five gallons. Then we scale it up to 55. Then we do the whole batch and all of a sudden all the cider was fixed and we 
could get those orders going out on time that Friday and still being able to sell the high-quality product that we promised people we would be selling them. And then from there, I said, okay, well, this is the method that we have to follow from now on to always have a standardized product and to never have that malolactic fermentation happen to us. So then I decided to move on, and I started working at the Old Sugar Distillery, and he had a winery license, but he wasn't really making any wine, but he wanted an alternative to just cocktails at the bar. You can make hard cider if you have a winery license that falls under the wine category. And so I said, do you want me to make some hard cider for you? I know how to do it. I know how to make it all these flavors that people would like. And I have this idea for making cider out of Wisconsin apples. And he's like, oh, sure. We have some cider on tap. If you can flavor that and get it to sell, then I would be interested in you doing it on a larger scale. So I flavored that batch of cider that he had on tap into our flagship flavor, Rosehip Rosemary. And we posted about it online and it sold out the five gallons in a day. And so he's like, okay, I want you to make more of that and can you make some other flavors and we'll call a distributor. So I made lemongrass, lavender, hibiscus, juniper, and we called the distributor and they showed up and they signed us to distribute our products before we even had a name for the company. And so we came up with Hidden Cave Cidery and now we have over 22 different hard cider flavors that we make. And and with the pandemic happening, we are a draft-only hard cider company. And when all the bars and restaurants closed down, we didn't have a market anymore, but I had already had the labels designed for bottles. So I called up Aljan Packaging in Milwaukee, had them print out our first batch of labels. I bought a pallet of bottles and I started bottling all the cider that we had already kegged. And so we kind of pivoted to be at all the liquor stores. But there still wasn't a lot of work to do because we had a backlog of cider and the amount of cider that we were selling had decreased because all the bars and restaurants had closed. So then I took a job at Apple Garden in Fitchburg as the orchard manager. So I'd work at Apple Garden Monday through Saturday. And then on Sundays, I would wake up and I'd go to Old Sugar Distillery and I'd bottle cider or flavor cider. And I did that for about a year and a half. And then I found a space in Middleton right next to the Capitol Ice Skating Arena for a tasting room. And so I signed the lease for the tasting room. And the deal that I had with Old Sugar Distillery was essentially I would do all the work and come up with the flavors and he would pay for it all. And then if I wanted to separate the companies, all I had to do was buy everything back from him. So I signed the lease. I bought everything back from him and then I moved it over. And so now Old Sugar and Hidden Cave are separate companies. We've been there for just over a year now. And in that time, we've become the highest rated hard cider company in Wisconsin on tap. And uh, we're actually, when last time I checked, we were number 37 in the world. And we do that all with Wisconsin apples, which is pretty cool. The idea of using Wisconsin apples isn't because it's cheaper or more convenient. I get calls from orchards in New York that say they could ship juice to me in the wintertime. They would cost as much if I bought the juice in the fall in Wisconsin. But I don't want New York juice. I don't want Michigan juice. I don't want juice from Minnesota. I want Wisconsin apple juice because our apple industry isn't as well built out as these other places. In these other states, like Minnesota, they have an apple breeding program. They come up with the Honeycrisp. So they have a lot of that intellectual property. They have tons of people going to the state to learn about orcharding. New York, you have Cornell University, same idea there. And in Wisconsin, we do have apple orchards, but not as many. We sit between these two major apple producing states, Michigan and Minnesota. And so the point of buying Wisconsin apples is to support the farmers in Wisconsin who have chosen to grow apples and to show them like, hey, if you grow 
apples. If you overproduce for your U-Pick, there are people in this state, cider makers, who only want to use your apples. And you'll be able to find a way to sell your apples through the market, and you should take a chance and start your own orchard. The ultimate goal is to get more people in Wisconsin growing apples and to help build that industry. So obviously, Wisconsin growing apples is the highlight. Can you talk about where you get them from or your relationship with those farmers? The apples that we get come from all sorts of different orchards throughout the years. The orchard that we use the most is Kickapoo Orchard in Gaze Mills, Wisconsin. Everybody goes to Kickapoo Orchard as the first stop because he's got a super efficient press. He's got 40 acres. He's a delight to work with. If I can't get the juice out of his facility right away, he'll freeze it for me. And so he's a great person to work with. But it's not every year in Wisconsin that apple farmers have a good crop. And in fact, these last two years have been really bad uh, overall for Wisconsin due to late frost and other things. And so these last two years when I called him up, he's like, well, I can't get any apples to make the juice. But if you can figure out where to get the apples, I'll press them for you for whatever it is per gallon. So I said, okay, it's kind of forcing me to use the logistics side. So before I was just like, okay, I call this guy. He gives me as much juice as I need and I'm paying dollars per gallon of juice. And then I bring that into my facility. Well, I had always thought about the logistics side. I mean, there's a lot more that goes into it, but potentially you have a chance to lower your cost even further if you can work the uh, supply chain. So two years ago, when I was working at Apple Garden, I realized it was a really bad apple season. I started calling tons of different orchards. I joined the Wisconsin Apple Growers Association to get access to more growers. And funny enough, I found an orchard just down the street from him that had enough apples, and that was Galen. And he was nice to work with. And then this last year was also really low on apples in 2021. And so last year, I called about 60 different orchards to find one that had enough apples to supply what I needed for juice. Out of those 60, I only found one that had enough apples, and that was Apple Land in Belgium. What's nice about working the supply chain, and I don't think I figured it out to the point where I'm saving any money versus buying the juice directly, but it's nice because in years where there aren't a lot of apples out there, you slowly build up a contact list of all these different people that you can call and figure that stuff out. The difficult thing for us as a cider company is, like, I don't have a truck and a trailer, so what I'm doing is I'm buying 20 bushels in a bin, and I need at least eight bins, and that fills up a semi-truck. So I have to be sending full semi-truck loads of apples across to make the cost worth it. Typically, the orchards that can do that are 15 to 40-acre orchards, and it's tough to find the big producers. But it's also interesting because the different little zones will have different growing conditions. And so these last two years where a lot of Wisconsin didn't do great overall with apple production, Door County, those orchards have done really well. And so it's just interesting to figure out, okay, which region of Wisconsin do I call when I can't find apples anywhere else? So yeah, last year I was shipping apples from north of Milwaukee all the way to Gaze Mills, which is across the whole entire state, just to get one big pressing of apples. But it's also fun doing the logistics side because you meet a lot more farmers, stuff like that. Since you are kind of a newer base company, do you have any upcoming events or things that you want to share to help people be aware 
of the Hidden Cave Cidery. For events, we have live music a lot of Saturdays, a cheese board class with Madison Cheese Board, and then we're also going to have a Halloween party, costume party. We give out a prize, and we have live music for that. We also do morning yoga once a month. In terms of, like, hard cider releases, we're working on a cucumber and pear hard cider made of bananas foster hard cider, strawberry lime smoothie, and I believe we're the only hard cider company in Wisconsin making smoothie ciders right now. Essentially what that means is we're making fresh fruit purees in-house. Coming up in November, we make a really fun cider called sweet potato casserole hard cider. And we actually take real roasted sweet potatoes and we boil them down, strain the water a bunch of times to get all the potato back out. Then we reduce it so you get this like really strong sweet potato water. And then we add all the ingredients that would be in sweet potato casserole. We release it the week before Black Friday. And the whole idea is that if you're going to Thanksgiving and someone says, I'll bring a then you say, oh, I'll bring sweet potato casserole, and then you show up with a bottle of cider. That was Walker Fanning, owner of Hidden Cave Cidery. You can learn more by going to his website at hiddencavecidery.com. From the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Charity Seebecker.